Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hey there, hi there, ho there. It's me, Dr. Fuck, from Thrasher Dying Combat. And with me, as always, is... That was a delayed one. Sorry. Are you that drunk that early? I wish. In the episode? I wish. I'm Uh, getting there, though. It is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. The the, the great show that me and Ian uh, share. And, you know, we have a lot of people listen to us. And me and Ian have never met. But one week from today, because we are doing this on Thursday the 14th, um... We will be hanging out, dude. That's right. And then we're going to go see Rush. And if everything goes as planned, we are going to do the Rush episode at Ian's place, like the review of the show, and have it up for you next week. Now, maybe not. So, I mean, let's, let's just hope. If, you know, technical difficulties happens, then we're going to sh- we're gonna play you the, the DJ show, which is in case class. You know, it's an episode that's already done that, you know, we have in case of something bad happening. And, and that is still an awesome episode. That's I, I love awesome. that. You know, actually, I've listened to that episode twice. The DJ so one. So and it's I. like, and, and Ian like plays these songs I, I, I'm not really too keen on. And yet I can't get take myself to turn it off. I listen to the songs. Everything that he, you know, you know, what is it? The cock block corner or whatever the fuck you call it i, uh, I don't know but yeah. I, I, I i love some ann murray what do you want me to say yeah you know but i'm like you know it's still i don't know it flows well and it's a really good episode but hopefully we'll we won't because i i would really like to have that rush episode so we can tell you of our experience of seeing rush in new orleans a week from tomorrow anyway so uh and uh, any anything happening with you, Ian? Oh yeah, man! I have to give a huge thanks to our listeners for all the awesome birthday wishes I got. Yeah. That was absolutely amazing. Uh, it was a great day, and it really meant a lot. Uh, I mean, so many of you, and I tried to thank each and every one of you. I hope I did. If I forgot anybody, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was I, amazing. Uh, you forgot me. Oh, you're so full of shit. And I was There's the one that hun- made the initial one. I thanked you. I, and no, you didn't. You, you, you said, I thank you all. Like, dude, I'm not like everybody else. I'm oh, Dr. Fuck. I'm, I'm like famous and stuff. All right. Well, I, I'll give you a reach around when you get to New Orleans. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I can keep my mother away from you. But uh, it, it, it was an uh, awesome day, and I want to I wanna thank all of you. And also, I want to thank everybody for uh, the tremendous response to the ACDC episode. Yeah. Man, everybody really seems like that. We had a lot of doing it. And uh, a lot of people said it, it meant a lot to them, you know, how in-depth we went and what ACDC and Von Scott meant to us. And uh, glad we touched that many people. And I think this episode could be even more special and emotional. Well, uh, uh, you know, we are going to break the illusion for people out there. Uh, this review that we did for the Queensryche, we already finished it while we're recording this. 
what we're doing now is the current events to make it more current, you know, near the date of the show. So, you know, we can, but we already, we already did the, the episode. And I got to tell you, it is pretty, I, I, I personally think it's the best show we've ever done. And, uh, it happens to toward, I believe, I, I don't want to even give it away. Cause then people will be like fast forwarding to hear it, but it's somewhere in the episode. I'm not going to say which song it is. But we get into one song where it becomes like the most depressing to the most <laughs> to the most laugh filled. It's like we go from zero to zero to six hundred in like two seconds. It's like I bring up something extremely depressing, which, by the way, I want to say this, too, because I thought about this. I really when you guys hear what happened to me and I don't want no sad story. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. And I'm going to ask. As a favor to all our listeners out there, when you hear what I got to say, please, I mean, I can understand that some of you would like to say your condolences or whatever. Please, like, you know, it's okay. Uh, you don't have to because I don't like hearing about it. It's just a personal thing. But stick around the episode and you'll find out what that is. And, uh, you know, I don't mind if you bring up anything else we talk about. But that one little thing that happened to me, I don't really like uh, being reminded of it or even you know talk about it but if you do uh, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say right now i feel like all of you are sharing your deepest condolences and i thank you all so there you won't have to do it now right ian and uh yes i agree and and just to back you up that's why i never let my son be an altar boy um i also want to thank uh i wish i wish it was a fucking priest that diddled me Seriously, uh, I wish too. it was that. Uh, uh, I want to give a big thanks to Steve Kirsch, who was in New Orleans, and unfortunately, because the dumbass didn't let me know soon enough, I could have planned something, dummy. But, uh, man, next time he's up here, we're going to hang out. He's a real cool dude. He's on the Facebook page. Big Thin Lizzy fan, man. I want to have some drinks with you at my bar. His, his business partner lives right by my house. We're going to get drunk at my bar unless it's some Thin Lizzy next time. You need to give me some advance notice, though. And, you know, any, any of you guys, that, you know, in, unless you're really fucking weird, you know, that come through New Orleans, I will make special appearances. Did you hear that? Appearances. Ah, I that's, get it. That's where, yeah, yeah, that's where if you pay me, I'll drink with you. You know, if you don't want to use the Amazon link. <laughs> you might, but it's okay because I drink cheap beer, you know, but I drink a lot of it. But, uh... Yeah, Steve Kirsch, thank you so much for the iTunes review, and next time you're here, we're going to get shit-faced. But enough of this shit, let's get to the news, shall we? Alright, what's uh, what's going on in the wacky world of news? Oh man, we do not have a lot of news this week. Uh, we do not have a lot of news, but here's what we have. Did you hear Steven Tyler's new country single? What? Yes. I'm, I'm sure it's Did terrible. you? All right, well, here's the thing. I was going to talk about it because I, I, I had no desire to hear it. I already heard it, and I still have no desire to hear it ever again. Uh, oh, my God, is it fucking horrible. But the funny thing is, it really doesn't sound too far removed from modern-day Aerosmith. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a little bit, a little bit bangier guitar. But it really just sounds like Aerosmith. And I don't know what's more sad about that. Is it because of how, you know, horrible pop Aerosmith has gone? 
or how horrible pop country is these days that it, it pretty much sounds like pop with a fucking fiddle guitar. Uh, admittedly, I cannot stand country for the most part. Maybe a song here or there, you know, some Willie or some Waylon or some Hank Sr. You know, but a few songs, man. For me to listen to a whole album of that shit, man, that, I, I, I don't know. I do not like country. Uh, way too fucking white for me. But, uh, but yeah, this song is just horrible. It's produced by Dan Huff, who uh, some people might know produced this horrible Megadeth album called Risk. And uh, he also was in an AOR band in the early 90s called Giant. But Dan Huff has made a name for himself as a producer, you know, like adult contemporary, and I think he's done some other country. But uh, it's just a horrible, horrible track. What do you think, Dr. Fucking Steven Tyler? Get on country. I mean, I know you haven't heard this song, but I haven't heard it. But you know, I mean, you know, you know, I haven't even heard that last Aerosmith album, the Dementia Music, and I saw that tour. Um, oh, horrible, horrible. I, 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 you know, I mean, there, there, I, well, I, I got, I got to tell you this: there was, uh, there was a good like Street Jesus or something like that. Um, there was one song that was really good on it, but oh my god! Other than that, and wasn't Jack Douglas back? Yeah, and that's what really blew my mind because I thought he actually did a really good... I, I mean, I love Jack Douglas, period, as a producer. And I thought he did real good on the Honkin' for a Bobo record. Right. And when they when they did that, I was like, oh, God, okay, oh, they got Jack Douglas back. It's going to go back to old Aerosmith, get away from this fucking Bruce Fairburn polished turd fucking bullshit. Uh, but, man, there's... Uh, it, it sounds just like the other dreck they've been putting out since they sobered up. It's it's well, fucking horrible, and they got they got really mad about uh, the fans not buying it. First of all, nobody buys records anymore. Okay, that's just a fact. Most people are fucking stealing it, or they're just not buying like they used to. And here's another thing: when you put out a shitty album, it doesn't help. You, you know, you know. I mean, face the facts. It's a shitty album. I know Joe Perry. Uh, you know, said that he was very upset about half the shit that was on the record. He didn't want one on there, but of course, it's, it's it seems like it's really the Steven Tyler show. And, uh, you know, uh, Joey Kramer said he didn't think people gave enough chance, but I, I... Hey, I gave it a chance. I love Aerosmith. I always listen to Aerosmith because I'm always hoping. And I'm always fucking disappointed. And there's, a, there's usually like a song or two I like. I think the only album of theirs I never listened to all the way through was that uh, the one with Jaded on it. I, even, I, even, I like that song. Even even Nine Lives, which for the most part was a stinker, had a few songs I yeah. really loved on I, it. I, I thought Nine Lives was better than Get a Grip. Yeah, Get, Get a yeah. Grip I thought was horrible. And but I mean it, it's all overproduced. Too many songs for the first thing, man. Keep it to ten songs. Aerosmith's albums usually have fifty-seven songs on it, and forty-eight of them are fucking ballads. That's the problem right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You know. But uh, I, 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 I think Steven, Steven Tyler just wants to be everything to everybody. He wants, you know, he wants the pop audience. He was, he, he is just a fucking attention whore. And I really wish he would just get back on smack and hide in a hotel room and write some good music, you know? Did I ever uh, tell you? You know what? I never told you my Steven Tyler story. Um, back in 1983, I met, I, I met Steven Tyler in a McDonald's. 
and he was fucked up on 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 what he said. Red. I never told you the story, did I? No, no, on barbiturates. Nice. He said red. So I guess that. I, well, I, is it that, that red? Red's like a I don't know. Right? I, I, I'm very clueless when it comes to like drugs. Okay. Even though I did a lot of drugs back in the day, I just popped it in my mouth, not knowing what it if, is. If we have any old school junkies, please let us know on that. I think it. I think it's a barbiturate of some type. But if anybody knows what a red is, let me know. Some kind of. Is problem. it like a? He, I don't think it's a lewd, but it's something like it. He was, anyway, he was fucked up, but he refused to smoke weed with me, which was a bummer. Um, cause I wanted to smoke weed with him, believe it or not, he didn't want to. He said, "No, nah, man." I go, "Come on, man." And he goes, "No, nah, man. I'm on Reds. I don't, I don't like, I don't like weed, man. I like Reds." That's what he said, and I was like, "Okay." And he was just there with a coffee. And um, wow. this was 1983. This was uh, after rocking the hard place before Done with Mirrors, and he was a no. mess. He had like a goatee. Uh, he looked like um, a Chinese guy, like a. Like one of those um, ancient Chinese like did, ma- did he masters look like of kung the guy fu that, that sold the mogwai and, and gremlins. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's what he looked like. And uh, nice. that's, that's my Steven Tyler story. I met Steven Tyler in 1983 at a McDonald's, 71st Street, Miami Beach. He lived here, obviously, because what else would he be doing here? And. Uh, I didn't have a camera. I didn't get an autograph. So you just got to take my word for it. True story. I believe you. I believe you. Uh, I also met Mick Jones at a Publix, a, a supermarket. From, from Foreigner. Uh, Foreigner. Foreigner, yeah. I met him. I had him when sign was... my Pink Floyd ticket. This was 1994. Oh. You should have beat the shit out of him for producing 5150. I didn't know. I, I didn't know that till till recently that he had anything to do with that album. Oh, I man. hate that. I don't, I don't. I never looked into that album. I heard it. It sucked. That was it. I moved on. Though I like, I like Love Walks In, and yet I don't like. Pe- I've never had a penis in my mouth, but I like Love Walked In. How weird is that? Maybe it has something to do oh. with my love for ABBA too. I don't know. I'm like Paul Stanley. I'm a, cl- I'm, I'm oh. a homo, but I find guys unattractive. That's the only thing I can look- think of. You look at the thumb one, but it's not kid. <laughs> want to go into that one again? <laughs> oh, by the way, I did put up the video, guys, if you want to see it. that The thing I discussed last week about how I fight crime. Yeah. And, uh, did you watch it, what I did? Yeah. It's hysterical because I got all those I weird facial it. expressions and Ace <laughs> laughing at a, inappropriate times. Check it out. Almost Human 56. That's my YouTube channel. And you'll find that there. I just put it up. <laughs> Anything else in the news? Yeah, we got another one. Uh, something that you know we touched upon earlier that's bringing us together is uh, Rush kicked off their 40th, actually their 41st anniversary tour. And man, what a set list. And it inspired you so much that you decided to come to my great city and see him with me. The truth and, of the uh, matter is, is that I was looking into going to Tampa. Uh, I, I didn't know they were playing New Orleans, but I knew they were playing Tampa. And I was already, I already had the wheels in motion when I got uh, the no, the news of uh, the set list. I said, oh my God, Cygnus? What you doing? Lakeside Park? Anthem? You know, I mean, most 2112 side one. So I, I was like, all right, I know a few people that would want to go to this Tampa show. And uh, one of them that I was going to ask uh, would have been very awkward to me ask. 
since uh, I don't even want, I'm not even going to get into that one. But either way, I was hell-bent on going to it till last week when we did the episode, Ian said, ah, I'm going to the show, it's playing New Orleans, and I was like, ding, above my head. And I was hey, dude, why don't, <laughs> why don't I go to New Orleans with you, go see it with you, dude? And within an hour, I had the plane ticket and the ticket to go see Rush. After I said that to Ian, and uh, oh, I, I, I can't I'll wait. Tell you, it, 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 it was a fun one because by the time we got done recording the episode, I was pretty fucking lit up. And he's like, "Why don't you?" He goes, "Buy me a ticket." And I'm like, "I can't log yeah, on." Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it didn't work out too well, but you did everything you got in motion, dude. And I can't wait. I'm picking you up Thursday, and we are going to go out on the town, and we're going to see Rush. Uh, and and I'm staying. And, and I'm staying there. I'm staying there the whole weekend till Monday. That's when I come back home. So I'm spending the whole Memorial weekend getting fucked up with Ian. And hopefully we'll, 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 ha- we'll be sober enough a little while. I mean, we'll still be drunk because that's, this, is, this is historic for the Rock and Metal Combat <laughs> Podcast. We are not only going to do a show together, we're both going to be drunk and, and fucking do a show while we're drunk. That's a first. Wow. And I don't yeah, get drunk much anymore. As you all know, I have a medical condition where I can't get drunk. But the doctor told me that I'm allowed to drink now and then. So I really did. I mean, uh, Ian, I do. I am going to get drunk with you. But I do I do have to, you know, be careful. Right. You got you got a great doctor, Dr. Vinny Bumbats. You all know him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even but, if, uh, you know, oh. things go for the worst and I come home in a box, you're going to get a damn good episode. Yeah, oh man, the ratings would be through the roof. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, one last story. Uh, we're coming up on the fifth anniversary. That's a sad one. We're coming up on the fifth anniversary of the passing of Ronnie James Dio. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, but you'd think I'd know it because I got the shit tattooed on my fucking arm. Uh, you know, within a few days of Ronnie's passing. Uh, I went to a local tattoo parlor here, Hell or High Water, and there was a lot of, I mean, there's some great metal heads here in New Orleans, and we all love and respect Ryan James Dio, and it became such a thing, like, they made a stencil, they had it ready, because everybody was coming in, getting the Dio logo tattooed in various places, I got it on my arm, and I got, uh, shit, I gotta look at it now, yeah, 42 and <laughs> and 10, you know, because, you know, the year he was born, the year he passed away. But, uh, you know, that's how much the man meant to me. I never got to meet him, like, meet him, meet him. But I did see him with uh, Black Sabbath a few times. I saw him solo. And uh, his music, man, since I first got into hard rock and heavy metal, uh, he was one of the first ones I got into. And uh, just a pillar of metal and everything it stands for. It's so sad that he's not here anymore. But, uh... You know, it is a reminder. It's funny. We had a we had a person on the page uh, mark the person as spam that put this cancer awareness. That's all this person does is put cancer awareness shit on our, on our page. But I'm okay with that because if one person reads that and uh, they go get something checked out, that's great, you know. If you're trying to sell Ray-Ban sunglasses, I'm going to ban your ass. But you know what? Somebody might look at that cancer thing, go get something checked out. And that's the thing, is early detection. If you live in the States, use your fucking Obamacare. 
go get it checked out. You know, if you live in Europe, I think you guys have doctors that come to your house every day for free anyway, you know. I think they do that in Canada, too. If you live in the third world, well, you're just fucked. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, get checked out. You know, I just turned 41, so now, you, you know, I got to go get the thumb up the ass, you know. Uh, really, you only have to do it fucking once a year. I go five times, you know. My doctor's got small hands. I don't mind. I like the attention. But get checked out. Uh, Ronnie James Dio, we love you. We miss you. And, uh, fuck, that's all I got, man. Let's talk about this fucking album, shall what, 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 I can't talk about Dio, dude? It's all about you? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, just, I, got, I got to meet Dio, and I was into Dio since 1980, you know? The first right. time the first time I ever heard of Ronnie James Dio was the Heaven and Hell album. I was not aware of Rainbow. As a matter of fact, I saw the Heaven and Hell tour, and before the Heaven and Hell tour, the radio was giving away tickets, which I lost, by the way, because they asked a question I didn't know the answer to. They The question was, what band was Ronnie James Dio in before Black Sabbath? And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. And I was aware of Rainbow. I had difficult to cure. I didn't know anything about Rainbow with Dio. Believe it or not. <laughs> well, you're like, you're like Everson Lake and Dio. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I, I was like, oh, oh, Dio was in another band before Sabbath, or I always thought Joel and Turner was their original singer. Ooh. Yeah, it's a true story. But you know, the first time I uh, saw Dio, Heaven and Hell tour, Miami Highlight opening acts was not Blue to Cult. It was. Johnny Van Zandt and Riot saw the Mob Rules tour. I didn't see Holy Diver because Holy Diver didn't come to Florida. Was that with the Outlaw, Outlaws opened up? Outlaws Mob Rules tour, yes. Yeah, I, I, some friends of mine were in Miami at that time. They went the same show. Yeah, that was an incredible show. And uh, I remember when they played NIB, it was better than the live evil version. It was the best version of NIB I've ever seen Ronnie do. Anyway, so then I saw... Probably the the greatest like Ronnie James Dio show. A lot of people always point at Sacred Heart with the Dragon. Fuck that. I saw that show. I don't think it was as good as Last in Line. Last in Line had a big ass snake. It had pyramids and lasers. It was just one of the greatest shows I ever saw in my life. Docking open, tooth and nail. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And then in 1985, I went to California. Where I saw Guns N' Roses in a little club in 1985. Uh, they weren't famous yet. I saw ACDC with Ingbe Malmsteen at the LA Forum. But while I was always over there, Dio played over here on the Sacred Heart Tour with Rough Cut. And I missed it because I was in California. So I come back, and who comes back to town? Dio. The same show. I mean, technically intermission with Craig Goldie, but it was still the same show with the Dragon. And this time they had Accept open. So I was like, oh, I can deal. And then I saw oh, Dream nice. e I saw Dream Evil tour with Megadeth and Sabotage. I went all the way up to Lakeland to see the Lock Up the Wolves tour. Uh, I believe Love Hate opened that one. No, no, it wasn't Love Hate. Uh, I forgot. I saw The Humanizer. And I saw yeah. Str Strange Highways in a little club with with Love Hate. That's the first time I met Ronnie James Dio after the show. 
and I had him sign all my stuff. And then uh, after that, the next time I saw him was Magica. And that yeah, I time, saw that one. That time with Ingve and Daro. Daro Pat. Yes, yes, yes. And that time, I met him again, but this time, that time I had a camera. So I have a picture of me and Ronnie James Dio, and we're doing the sign of the horns, which is the equivalent of me taking a picture of Ronald McDonald eating a cheeseburger. So, and then I saw, I'm trying to think, the last time, yeah, the last time I saw the late, great Ronnie was uh, Heaven and Hell with Queensryche and Alice Cooper. I, I was at that show as well. In uh, Sunrise? Yeah, and that, that, that's a funny thing is, I know like five or six shows, probably more than that, that you and me have been to yeah. but before we knew each other when I lived in, when I lived in Florida. Because I used to have to go to South Florida a lot, you know, especially for like, uh, you know, Coral Sky Amphitheater. Right, you know, I right. went to, you know, many a time. I don't. It's probably not even called that anymore, huh? No, I think it's called the AT and T Center, whatever. That's where I'm seeing yeah. Van Halen. Uh, in oh, not, yeah. But you know, I mean, uh, the thing. But you know, in the bottom line is when I met Dio the two times, he was the sweetest, nicest guy I ever met. And I met so many bands in my life, and. All those bands, like 99.9% of them, were all cool motherfuckers. Really nice people. All of them. Very appreciative of their fans. Dio was a little more special, though. Dio was a little more personable. Meeting him, you walked away like, wow. Like, he gave me a feeling like no, but no ever, you know, he was just, hey, man. Like, I told him, you know, somebody brought up Blackmore's Night. While I was there, and I said to Ronnie, I go, hey, have you heard, uh, what was the song they did? Damn it. Now I'm having a brain fart. They did a rainbow song. And I said to Ronnie, did you hear it? And he goes, no, how, how was it? Like, like, dude, I mean, what if I liked it? You know, I mean, it was cool that he wanted to know my, you know, my, my uh, opinion on it. And also when I gave him my Elf album, he wrote on it, Ralph, uh, Make Elves, Not War, Ronnie Dio. Which I, nice. I, I I will always... And I have so many autographs from the guy. I had him sign all my shit. And uh, when he died, I gotta tell you, I was I was in deep shock because I really did think he was gonna beat it. Because he's Dio. You know? Right. And when I saw that little news report that you can see on YouTube where he's in the hospital and he looks all frail, like he's dying, and he's like, I'm gonna beat it. You know, cancer? Pfft. I'm going to beat it. And, and I kind of like, yeah, it's Dio. Don't, I ain't worried about this. And then when I heard the rumors the night he died, like, oh, he died. And then they said, do you remember this? The night the, the, uh-huh. day, the night he died, I think he died in the morning, but the night before he died, they already said he died. Right. The, yeah, and he had. Yeah. And he hadn't died. And I was freaking out going, no way. And then they say, oh, he didn't die. I was like, yeah, of course, he's not going to die. You know? And then when he did die, it was like, God, it was the saddest thing in the world for me. And it was like I felt, I've never felt so sad over, like, somebody I basically didn't know dying. You know, uh, Randy Rhodes was was close, you know, but I was much younger back then. But, you know, now that I was, like, older, it really did hurt me. And uh, the girlfriend I was seeing at the time back in 2010, you know, the one, the cunt. Uh, uh, Guns and Roses? Ugh. Yes, that girl. She, uh, Ugh. I was with her when he died, and uh, she was in hysterics, man. She actually cried like crazy. I didn't cry, 
But I was very depressed about it. And it's sad, man. It's been five years, and it seems like yesterday, man. And it was on a Sunday. I remember that. It was a Sunday he passed away. Anyway, uh, the, Dio was the best, man. I loved him. He was the best person you can ever meet. Super nice guy. I wish, um, wish he was still here, man. And uh, all hail Ronnie James Dio. Hell yeah. That's our tribute to, to Dio. And uh, what do you say we go into our review? All right, let's go into it. This is a good one. All right, let's do it. Okay, uh, Queensryche's Rage for Order. This is uh, their third album. And let me discuss how I discovered Queensryche. And then we'll get into the review. I discovered Queensryche. I, I believe it was MTV. It was actually MTV. Um, they showed the Queen of the Reich video. This is back when the EP first came out. And me and my friends were all blown away how killer. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this sounds like Judas Priest meets Iron, you know, back then Iron Maiden. Uh, this is incredible. So um, I ran out, got the EP. It became one of the, I would have to, I, I would actually have to say it is to me the greatest EP ever made. And when I did the combat thing, I was, in my mind, I thought we are going to make the greatest EP to ever be released in Florida. And I think we achieved that. <laughs> uh, better than the Queensryche EP? <laughs> I don't think so. But then again, I'm biased. And I don't have that big of an ego, which I try to portray I do. Uh, I'm unlike Ian here. Anyway, so... Um, Huge ego. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, then the warning came out, and I'll be honest with you, I was expecting the same old thing, and the warning was total left field that I didn't get it at first. I was like, ah, oh, man, this ain't Queens right there. Weird. This album's too weird. It wasn't as straightforward as the EP, but I loved it after a while, especially when I saw the Tokyo show and in fours and shit to this day. I feel it's better than the EP. I think that's my favorite Queen's Rock is The Warning. What? Yeah, that's my favorite Queen's Rock album, which contains my favorite Queen's Rock song, Roads to Madness. Anyway, so um, then came Rage for Order. Now, Rage for Order was weirder than The Warning, but I had that mentality where I was like, okay, this is too fucking weird, but I felt the same way about The Warning. Let me get used to it. Let me not jump to conclusions because I love The Warning now. And the same thing happened again. I ended up loving Rage for Order. And I ended up loving it right at the right time because by the time they came down here, because Metallica left the Ozzy tour and Queensryche took over, I saw that tour and I was totally into Rage for Order when I saw that tour. And uh, I love Rage for Order. Rage for Order is probably, well, you know, probably tied for my second along with the EP. What? What's your favorite? Like fucking Operation Mindcrime or something? Duh. Great album. I love that album. That album's like... But you see, here's the weird thing. Operation Mindcrime, when that came out and I heard it, I got it right away. I was like, holy shit, this fucking rules. It didn't take me time for it to uh, soak in. And it's... No a, it, yeah, it's... I'm, you know, I mean, I almost love it as much for Rage. I don't know. Something about Rage... It, well, we'll get into it. Anyway, you go ahead, Ian. Uh, well, I got into uh, Queensryche with Operation Mindcrime. 
Uh, and the weird thing is, to this day, I can't remember how I got turned on. I can't remember if I saw a video or if I just, you know, I saw an ad in Hit Parader that caught my eye. Because sometimes just, if, man, if you had a cool ad in Hit Parader, I'd go buy your shit, you know. If the cover looked good or there's something neat about it, you know. But I'll never forget, um, I was just about ready to graduate 8th grade. And I went and bought it on cassette and uh, at a record store. I hung out at every day after school in 8th grade. That was my ritual. Went and bought it, got on my 10-speed, put it in my Walkman, and I rode my bike around uh, this abandoned warehouse I used to go to and just listened to the whole thing, and it was like mind-blowing experience. I'll never forget. Uh, but for whatever reason, I didn't go back into their... <laughs> back catalog for a long time I just kept going forward with Queensryche I think it was probably the late 90s really when I went back and checked out Rage for Order or Warning and the EP uh, EP being my second favorite Queensryche amazing I, lo- I love the EP uh, the Warning and Rage for Order definitely took me a little bit of time uh, you know, and, and some I came around to and some I didn't, you know, but we'll get into that when we get into the album. But I always, you know, I always checked in to see what Queensryche was doing. Of course, I bought Empire when it came out. Loved it a lot at first, and then I kind of like, eh. By I the never time, liked that album. I hated by, that album. By the time Promised Land came out, uh, I liked the song The Bridge, but I was really into a lot heavier music at the time it was more like Pantera and shit like that you know and and, and thrash and stuff by the time Promised Land came out um I, I really ignored Here in the Now Frontier I like that one. Out. Oh, now I love that album really a lot I oh. a lot of people hate that album oh I I love Here in the Now Frontier I think it's uh, a great album has a oh, couple, couple of clunkers but but I, I I think it has a variety of different styles. I think it's amazing. I like Q2K. A lot of people don't like that. No, that one I didn't like, no. I, I, I like that one. Uh, where, I didn't like anything they did without DeGarmo. Nothing. Uh, I, I really didn't... Uh, uh, Tribe, you know, everybody's like, oh, DeGarmo's back for four songs. I thought Tribe was fucking horrible. Maybe yeah. I need to go listen to it no, again. I didn't like but, it either. But, but uh, you know, but I always... You know, some albums I like more than others, but I always kept up with Queensryche. You, you know, even too, I just went and saw Jeff Tate's Queensryche and uh, and met him last year. I have pictures and everything, and boy, what a night that was. Uh, funny tale. I, I think I kind of pissed off Jeff Tate, but, you know, not everybody can appreciate my sense of humor. But we'll get into some of these stories later. Let's start talking about this album, Rage for Order. And you take it off with the first song, Ralph. That's Walk in the Shadow. Yeah, this song, like the first time I heard it, I, I fell in love with it. It's because it's so straightforward. It's not, you know, all out there like the rest of this album. It's a great, great song. And, and man, when I, I just recently saw Queens right with that Tyler Teletori guy. And man, when they just hit that opening chord of this song, the whole fucking place. Like, it's wild how people still remember that shit, you know? And it's one of their, it's a, it's a great concert staple. A uh, great, great song. I love that song. It's just awesome. Straightforward. Kick-ass. Maybe my favorite song off the album. I don't know. We'll get into it. Uh, all the other songs. But I think it is. Yeah, I think it is my favorite track off the album. What do you think of this song? 
Uh, I don't think it's my favorite track. I know it's my favorite track. Uh, this is one of their best ever. And it has everything I love about Queensryche all in one song. Everything that I hold dear about Queensryche is within this fucking three minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, great song. Now, I was trying to do some, uh, excuse me. Uh, I was trying to look up some shit on YouTube. Did they have a video for this? No. They only made one video for this album. Okay. Okay, yeah, and I couldn't find that one either. But I, I know I'd seen it in the past, but for some reason it's not on YouTube anymore. But uh, they do have a lot. They did do a live. Uh, yeah, the mind crime. That mind crime. Yeah, video. yeah, yeah. But I. But for some reason I thought they had one, but I must have been mistaken it with the other video. But uh, man, I absolutely fucking love this song. Which, by the way, was uh, stupid not to make this the video of the album. Ridiculous. It would have. Yeah, well, it, it would have done a much better than "Gonna Get Close to You." That's for sure. It, it, it the record company. That. that was not uh, Queen's right. The record company picked that as the single. It's 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 just dumb because Walk in the Shadows it would have really helped them a lot back then. You know, I I, I, I agree, but uh, you know, if you got, I could see some record company suits who don't know shit about Queen's right or understand, you know, metal music or yeah, anything. Yeah, picking lot, the other I, one. I can name a million albums where uh, the the lead video is pretty much the worst song on the album. Baffling. Right. Just right. But uh, yeah, so we both agree we love this. What do you think about the next one? I Dream in Infrared. I love, 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 love this song. V- mellow, but killer. Um, I just, you know, again, like most Queen's Rake songs, the vocals on this are amazing. And I really do dig those backing chorus vocals on this song. This song's amazing. I love this song. And during the Empire days... They re-recorded this song, which was a B-side, which is awesome too. It's kind of like an acoustic-y... Yeah, acoustic version. I yeah. think that in the Killing Words, right? Or it was another song off the yeah, song. Yeah, no, yeah, both of those, both of those. They're amazing. And, you know, that that uh, interpretation has even like a, a... It's just... I can't tell you which one I like more. I love them both the same. Uh, I love I Only Dream in Infrared. It's, Fucking great, great song. What do you think? Um, man, as I do with almost all of our reviews, even if it's something I, I know a lot, I still I'll listen to it like about three times, just to see if I can come up with something, you know, like a different opinion or like something different to add to what I had to say. And I'm glad I listened to this three times because I probably haven't listened to this album in its entirety for shit. I don't know. 10, 15 years. And on my first listen to this album, I was like, Jesus Christ, this shit is fucking terrible. And I love 80s. I love 80s. You know, but this shit was like so keyboard and so 80. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I don't know, it was very dated. I was like, man, this shit is fucking horrible. But on repeated listenings, especially listen to it with headphones on, um, Man, this one really, really grew on me. It's great. Yeah, you said some, you know, I, I, my notes were melodramatic queens, right? And uh, and they do that great. But uh, this one definitely, by by my third listen th- th- this morning, I was like, man, I'm really fucking digging this song. I love it. Can't say the same 
so much for the next one, The Whisper. Now this one, I kind of, it kind of grew on me a little bit, but I still, to me, it's so-so half-ass filler. Uh, I like it better than initially, but uh, I didn't grow to love it the way I grew to love uh, I Dream in Infrared. Uh, To me, it's kind of half-baked. What do you think, Ralph? I agree totally with you with the first two songs, but you're fucking wrong on this one. Okay. The Whisper is awesome. Uh, you should give it more of a chance. Believe it or not, they played it uh, the last time I saw them. They actually threw out The Whisper, which blew my mind. I was like, holy shit, they're playing The Whisper with, with Todd Territory. Um, I love this song. This song is, uh, I you know, that opening riff is one of my favorite Queensryche riffs ever. I just... I don't know. I just love this song. I love the vocals. Like all the all these damn songs have great vocals. The whispers awesome, dude. I'm kind of shocked that you didn't uh, get this one. I mean, I understand this album is hard to get right off that. Let me ask you. Uh, so uh, you really haven't played this that much, right? Uh, since we decided we, I've listened to it in its entirety three times in the last. Uh, well, two I'm days. talking before this. Uh, no, no, it's one. It's like a buddy of mine. He was huge into Queensrÿche. I was into like mind crime, you know, post, and then he was more like mind crime and before. Okay. And he would always talk about it. He's the one who got me to listen to it. And at the first time, like a couple songs, I'm like, eh, that ain't so bad, you know. But this, eh, you know, and then I didn't pick it up for fucking fifteen, uh, you know, ten, uh, fifteen. The weeks. Whisper Man. If you really like wear out this album. You'll, you'll love The Whisper. It's one of, for, for me, it's one of the standouts. Yes. I also want to bring up uh, something that just came up in my mind about this album cover. Um, when I met, I met Queensryche on the Here and the Now Frontier because I was seeing this girl who um, ha- was part of the Queensryche fan club. And she got us backstage pass for the West Palm Beach show. And when I met Jeff, I had him sign my Rage for, Rage for Order vinyl. And when he signed it, he told me, you know, what you have is very rare. Uh, this uh, it's it has a marble background, where later they made it a black background. So the first pressing is marble, right? And uh, right. yeah, I didn't know this, you know, when I met him. I just thought I'd bring that up, you know. Just and then they, they changed it for the uh, for the CD release. They felt the marble it was too hard to read the name and the album title. See, that's I didn't why know they, that. that that's why they changed it to the black, so there was no, you know. You definitely saw it was Queensryche Rage for Order. I believe there there's in total three different uh, color coordinations for the album cover. Well, yeah, he told me uh, the marble one was rare, and which I didn't know. I was like mind blown. Then I was like, well, you know, it's like I bought it when it first came out, so lucky for me. But um, all right, so you know the whisper rules. Uh, next song is gonna get close to you, which I didn't know this for decades. It's actually a cover song. Not only is it a cover song, but the band that originally did this song made a video for it. Did you know this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen it. it. And it's a chick singing. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and the video's not that far-fetched from what Queensryche did. Right. And, and the song's not that different from what yeah, the chick did. Yeah, yeah. You know? Actually, uh, wow, what a bizarre song. It's just bizarre. Um, very, uh, probably the most... Thor, Thor, sore thumb uh, song <laughs> on the whole fucking album. Really, because I okay. think so. I mean, I mean, there's some weird tracks on this album, but this one is like by far the strangest. 
what I think about it, I don't hate it. I actually like it in a weird way. I don't think it's a horrible song. Not one of my favorites on here. Definitely not a single. Definitely not a video. And oh yeah, and another thing we didn't discuss. The fucking look this band had at that time. What the fuck? I loved it. I think it's the best look they ever had. What? Oh my god. Jeff Tate's like... Jeff Tate's like fucking... what, What the fuck's that on his head? I don't know, but I dug it, man. I did. I, they looked like they were like in some kind of army, but it wasn't a very masculine army. Yeah, but it, but it, they definitely looked like like soldiers. I don't know. I thought it was really cool. I thought DeGarmo looked awesome. Uh, I dug it, dude. I thought they looked awesome. Eddie Jackson with that fro he has, like had that one side of it cut short. What the? I don't know, man. It was just. I think the only guy that looked okay was uh, Michael Wilton. Then again, I gotta go back and look. I don't remember. What was, what was uh, Scott, Scott Rock and Scott like? Rock? He looked like the Bride of Frankenstein because he had like some like gray lightning bolts. That's on the right. Side yeah, yeah, that's right. I that's don't. Right. Th- I dug it though. I don't know why, but I, oh, shit, I, you know, I like the asylum look. So what do I know? Yeah, you know? I was like, what the hell is up with this? I even thought, like, even the warning. I was like, why is Jeff Tate's hair so funky? But then he like. He, with Rage for Order, it was like, well, yeah, the warning don't look too bad now. But it's just yeah, a yeah. weird, strange, peculiar look that they had. I guess like new romantic uh, on, on crack. And, and that was forced upon them by the record company as well. Really? The record company said, yes, the record company said, uh, you need to change your look. You got to think now. Rage for Order came out in 86. That was, you know, a few months removed from Theater Pain. Theater Pain came out in 85. But 86, everybody's look was in, influenced by Theater of Pain. Judas Priest, Kiss, Queensryche, every, Dokken, everybody. I don't see Queensryche anywhere near that. What, it, their look? It was more like new romantic, new way. Right, I don't right, know, right, weird. but still, they made them change because everybody was changing. Okay. Motley, Motley Crue set the standard in 85 with Theater of Pain. Then you look at 86. Look at 86. Look at everybody in 86. Everybody was trying to be Motley Crue. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. We have talked about this in previous episodes. Probably our Theater of Pain episode, we've got more into detail about that. Right. But, um, no, I, uh, I, I just couldn't get it. But then again, you know, it's the music that matters. You know, I'm not one that, you know, judges shit by the cover because, after all, I love this fucking album. I just hated that look, but it didn't taint the music for me. Uh, gonna get close to you, I guess. Really did uh, fit that look, though. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why they made the video because it's like you look like this song. It's weird, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's not one of my favorites. But you know, when I put on this album, I don't skip this song. You know, it's weird, but I, I can deal. What do you think? Uh, gonna get close to you. Do I like it? No. <laughs> I love it. I love this fucking song. Oh my god, it is so fucking weird and bizarre, and it's so fucking eerie. I mean, there's something really eerie about this fucking it song. It is a very spooky song, and I think it and, has a lot to do with that. Oh, that background thing. And it's it's very eighties. I mean, yes, it does stick out like a sore thumb, but it's like a, like a really cool like neon, you know, vampire fucking uh 
sore thumb. I, I love it. It's weird. Now, do I want a whole album of songs like this? I don't know. Maybe I do. And then we go into The Killing Words, which, uh, this was another one, uh, that I really changed my opinion on from my first to my third listen. First listen, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, another slow song. Can we get some fucking metal in this shit, you know? Uh, but man, I, you know, I put in my, my notes from hate to love. Now I really, really, really did. by the third time I listened to this, I was like, I really got this. I was like, this is a damn good song. You know, and uh, if I have any complaint about this album, it's uh, there's just too many slower songs and not enough, you know, faster metal shit. Uh, but it doesn't mean they're bad songs. It's just I like a little bit more variety or a little bit more metal than a little bit ballad heavy. And I wouldn't even call this a ballad. It's just melodramatic um, Queensryche. But I really, really grew to love The Killing Words. And I, I did hear the uh, the bonus track, the Unplugged version they did when they did MTV's Unplugged. Amazing. Uh, really translated well into that. Uh, I love The Killing Words. What do you think, Ralph? I love it too. Actually, it's my favorite of the slower numbers on this album. Um, yeah, it's a standout uh, vocally. Well, no, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the mellower songs. There's one I like more. But I still love the hell out of the song like I talked earlier. I love that b-side version the unplugged version is really good but i'll be honest with you this is one thing that does bother me about queens right visually it always has even the early stuff jeff tate as a front man's pretty i don't know he he gets so into it that it just it rubs me the wrong way and if you watch that unplugged version like he's like killing me with what and he like tilts his head back and he looks like he's in so much pain. Oh, yeah. He's like, like he's about to cry. It just uh, he seems, thi- it he seems thinks phony to me. He thinks he's way more important than he actually is. But, you know, but the thing is that he was definitely, without a doubt, unquestionably one of the greatest singers ever in metal. Come on, oh, he's he, up there. Oh, he, he was, he, he, he is great and it's so funny when I met him after the, uh, the Jeff Tate's Queensryche show, uh, you know, I, m- I met Rudy Sarzo, I met Brian Tishy, uh, I met him, and uh, I went up and uh, Frequency Unknown had just came out, uh, you know, his version of Queensryche album, and I was drunk, I was pretty drunk, I didn't, I didn't have a, they had like a VIP package, I just walked back there, I didn't even have a VIP package, but I wore a shirt of the bar, uh, a lot of people think I'm a bouncer, and I, I actually wore a Tipitina shirt. I saw him at this famous club here, Tipitina's. And I just walked back there. They probably thought I worked there. And I went up to him and I was just like, hey, I'm like, great show. They did all of Mind Crime and some hits. And it was, it was an amazing show. It sounded amazing. Um, but I was like, yeah, I just listened to Frequency Unknown. And uh, he's like, ah, what'd you think? And I go, eh. And I go, not bad. I go, but it doesn't sound like Queensryche to me. And he looks at, you know, kind of tilts his head. It's so funny because he's bald now and he's got guy eyeliner all around his eyes. And he's like, well, what does Queensryche sound like to you? And I'm like, well, <laughs> Operation Mindcrime, you know, the EP, you know, the warning, stuff like that. And he just kind of look, you know, gives me a dirty look. I go, I tell you what, why don't we take a picture before I piss you off? And that made him smile. 
And he put his arm around me. We took a picture, and uh, and then I, I stepped away from him because I just I could tell. You know, I have a very abrasive sense of humor, and either you can take it or you can't. You know, if you got an ego, I'm a bitch to be around because I'll, I'll bust you down. But Rudy Sarzo, oh my God, what a gentleman! Uh, so nice. He signed. Uh, I brought uh, I brought all kinds of CDs in my cargo shorts. Uh, he signed my Metal Health was so nice uh and brian tishy was drumming instead of simon wright which i'm so glad because I, I find simon wright very generic and brian tishy is a fucking monster and brian tishy was just laughing because he knew i was fucking trash i think i asked him like one question like three times he's like he's like dude you're having fun aren't you i was like yeah he goes i can tell <laughs> but it was a gr- it was a great night but uh yeah jeff tate definitely takes himself a little bit too serious, so I can see where that can rub people the wrong way. There's a there's a home video they they called Building Empires. I don't know if you ever seen it. Yeah, back in the day, I haven't seen it since it came out. Well, I they, they, there's a promo, or I guess they were on a TV show, or it was an actual video they did for Night Rider, one of my favorite songs by them. Man, the way he acts on that video is like, God damn, dude. So he was like that from day one, you know. Just a very, I don't know, he he gets so into it, but in a way where it's almost phony. Like, it reminds me of, like, a little kid in his bedroom pretending to be Robert Plant or something. You know what I mean? He, he overemphasizes <laughs> the, the front man, you know, to the point where it's like, dude, chill out a little bit. That's it. That's uh, the killing words. Now we go into surgical, spe- surgical strike. Uh, surgical strike. Yeah, now that we get back to the heavy. You know, and uh, yes. I, re- I remember something I didn't really get into was uh, I saw this tour open for Ozzy, and I remember they played this song that night. And uh, yeah, dude, I mean, it's it, it was a little more I don't know of the time, but it's still a killer, killer song because I I listened to this album this morning again. You know. I, I listened to it not that long ago, maybe six months ago or something. Because I do revisit this album at least once or twice a year. And uh, Surgical Strike is awesome. I think it's a really good kick-ass song. It's a little more like, hey man, let's do something heavier uh, for for the heavy metal fans. It's kind of like they're not to heavy metal fans back then. Like, okay, we need to do a metal song. Even though it's still weird, it's not your traditional metal. But it has all the elements to keep a metalhead happy, and I was happy, and and I was happy that they played it live. And I don't think they've ever played it live after that. Maybe they have. I don't know. But uh, I like Surgical Strike a lot. What do you think? Uh, I think they should always play it live. This is my second favorite song on the album. I fucking love Surgical Strike, and yeah, like you said, back the rock, and I even got that in my notes, like, fuck yeah, let's get back to some goddamn metal, remember who you are, you know, oh man, I love Surgical Strike, fucking awesome, uh, you know, this uh, was written by DeGarmo and Wilton, you know, and you can tell this was written by the two guitar players, because it's fucking metal as fuck, I love it, I absolutely love this song, uh, I never got to see him play it live, of course. Then we go into the next one. Uh, New Regal. Um, Regal, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this shit right. Uh, it's okay. This is one, uh, you know, I, I've heard fans talk about a lot. Uh, you know, and they've been playing it live lately. 
but it, it just this is one it hasn't caught on. I don't hate it, but it, it's uh, it's like wallpaper. It's just there. It doesn't stand out to me, but it's not you know horrible. It's just it just it's filler to me. All right, um, I really really love this one. Um, uh, like I was saying earlier that that when they opened for Ozzy, they actually opened the show with this song, and. Uh, yeah, it is a weird way to start a show. It's a strange, peculiar song, but I love it. I, I it, What Ian was saying earlier, why he loves Gonna Get Close to You because it's so weird, I would say the same thing about this song. And this song, I love way more than Gonna Get Close to You. Way, way more. Killer vocals. I love that, the effect they do in his vocals in the beginning. Uh, and then it goes into like the whole, you know, then the whole band kicks in, but they still keep it odd and unorthodox but I don't know it's one of the standout tracks on the album for me so I really do love New Regal and uh, then we go into uh, Chemical Youth this song to me is like very off like everything about it is not structured I don't know I don't know I guess it was on purpose to make it you know like weird timings and uh, this one is like I don't know I really hate the part where it goes, if we don't stand together, we stand for the future. Uh, this one is really annoying to me. I don't like this one. Actually, it's the worst song on the album for me. Never liked Chemical Youth. I always felt like it just sucked. Sorry. And I love this album. And, and you know, and it's weird that, you know, I, you know now, now that I think about it, I would have to say Minecraft is better because... There's not a song on Mindcrime I don't like. I love every song on Mindcrime, where I don't like Chemical Use. So I'll give, I'll give Mindcrime the nudge over Rage for Order just because of Chemical Use. I hate this song. Go ahead, Ian. What do you think? Well, you know, it wouldn't be a rock and metal combat podcast if we didn't disagree. But we've already disagreed on other songs. We both agree this is a fucking turd. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. Uh oh my, my god this is the worst song by far. This this song sounds like Japanimation to me. You know, yeah, I don't know, that's all I got in my head. Like I'm not a fan of Japanimation. And 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 uh I'm not a fan of this fucking song that we will Oh my god, that is the stupidest. Oh my god. Um I don't know if you ever heard the famous quote uh rock legend Elton John was played this song. And he was quoted as saying, "Who are these fags?" Uh, horrible, horrible oh, fucking song. I can't believe this made the the, the fucking album. This is, uh, uh, man, uh, shame on on Wilton for being part of this because I love Whip. Uh, but man, how could you be? I can see this shit coming out of Tate, but not out of Wilton. But uh, oh my what, god, did he write, he what did he write? He wrote this one. This was a Tate and Wilton collaboration, and uh, whoo, man, what a what a stinking turd, man! This is, this is really this is really a bad song. Yeah, I don't. This like is that. like like you know, like some people might make fun of you for listening to Queensrÿche, and if they know this song, you have no comeback. You're just like, oh yeah, never mind. <laughs> you know, it, it's bad, but it's followed up by another amazing classic. Uh, that has everything I think is great about 
Queen's Rack in one song, and that is London. Oh, man. I love this song. It, you know, it, it's over the fucking top. It's fucking dramatic. But it fucking just hits on every fucking level to me. Uh, amazing. Uh, Tate sounds great. The band sounds great. It just screams epic. Uh, another one I think would be a neat single. You know, actually, well, actually, I think, you know, uh, Walk in the Shadows, Surgical Strike, and London, I think, would have been three great singles for this album. But, uh, you know, I, I don't get to pick shit like that. But I love this fucking trick. What do you think of London? I love London. London is uh, very, very uh, underrated because, you know, th- this is a song that I don't know if it was ever played live. I know, I mean, you got to remember when I saw them on this tour. They were an opening act, so of course they couldn't do a full set. Uh, if they would have, they probably would have thrown out London that night. I love this song. It reminds me, back in 1996, I met a girl in New York City when I went to go see the Kiss reunion shows. I saw three out of the four Madison Square Garden shows because of my friend Eve, and she. Uh, it was her birthday around the time. So oh, I love Eve. Yeah, Eve's awesome, and uh, we 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 had a she had a birthday party at a local bar. And I met a girl, really beautiful blonde girl that me and her hit it off. We had the, fa- the same favorite number, 56, believe it or not. How odd is that? If your favorite number is 56 and you find somebody else that has that same favorite number. Hold on, I don't mean to cut off the story, but that's something I've always forgotten to ask you. Yeah. Well, it was the almost human 56. I never understood the 56 part of it. 56 is my favorite number, and it has kind of, it really, it's weird because... My favorite number should be eleven, but it's fifty-six. See, see, my favorite number is eleven, but that's because really? I'm born. Well, because I'm born on May the eleventh. Wow. So, I, and I'm egotistical. So, eleven's always my favorite. Well, mine is my my birthday's February 9th. Two nine is eleven. Born in sixty-five. Okay. Six five is eleven. Uh, but five six is eleven. I don't know. I just. But for some reason, it should be eleven, but it's five six. But and this girl's favorite number was five six. So me and her hit it off great. And I remember seeing her a couple times in New York. And uh, then she came down to visit. Oh, why? Why do I bring this up with the song London? <laughs> because did she give you? Did she give you a blowjob? No. And let me, oh! I'll get more into this. It's very. It's a heartbreaking oh, story. I don't um, like those girls. Yeah, she um, loved Queens. Right. This was the girl that got me backstage. Actually, ninety six. Or 97, whenever the... that year. 97. 97. Yeah, so... Well, anyway, so, you know, she lived all the way in New York. And I remember she played... They actually had Rage for Order in the jukebox at the bar. And she played London telling me how it's her favorite song and this and that. And this song always reminds me of her. So, anyway, fast forward a couple months, she came down to visit me. Like, to stay with me. And, uh... I didn't fuck her. What? Yeah. She wasn't down for the fun. She wasn't down for the Viera D. So it was what? It was sucky, man. It's like me and you made out in New York. We got along great, everything. Then you fly down here and you stay in my house, and I'm making moves on you, and you're like rejecting me, and you end up sleeping on my couch. Oh no! And I'm drunk. I'm drunk in my bedroom. That shows you, ladies, that I am not a rapist. And I go in my fucking bedroom dead. Well, that makes one of us. Man, I'm telling you, I'm in my bedroom drunk <laughs> as fuck thinking to myself, 
this is bullshit. I mean, okay, maybe don't give it up the first night. I can understand. But she was here for a full week where it was painfully obvious for the both of us we couldn't stand each other. Because oh. I was just going to the beach with her every day and just small talk. Hey, hey, want to go here? Want to go there? It got to the point where I hit on her again like a couple more times. I kept getting rejected and I didn't get mad except in, in, inside I got super pissed. And I just dealt with her. Whatever. And then when she goes back home, like I, this is, fast forward a couple years later, 1999, I get the internet. And she finds me on the internet. So somehow, I forgot how, it was like an email or something. And, um, she, she, she's talking to me on AOL Messenger. Remember that, that, that <laughs> thing? Yeah. Uh, old school. And, and I did a radio show at the time. It was a Wednesday. And I said, hey, uh, yeah, well, uh, what's going on? You know, I'm talking to her for a little bit. I go, yeah, I got to get going. I got to go do a radio show. She goes, no, don't do the radio show. Keep talking to me. And I was like, no, I, I got to go do a radio show. They're waiting for me, you know? No, no, no. That, and that's how it ended. This bitch that doesn't even give me pussy is telling me not to go do a radio show while she's in fucking New York. So that's where I think of London. Yeah, I, I love it too. But what a cunt. <laughs> yeah, man. Sucks, man. And he, oh, you know, you man. know, you know, the chances of her listening are not slim because maybe she has been keeping up with me and she probably saw, oh, look, the review in Queensryche, my favorite band. Rage for Order. Let me listen to what Ralph has to say. Oh my God, he's mentioning me. I won't mention her name. But just in case you don't, I know you know I'm talking about you, but just in case you're like, well, maybe it's another girl. No, your initials are N-S. Thank you. You know who I remember? The girls who I get the finger bang. I'm a big fan of finger banging. I don't know. Finger banging just tickles my funny bone. Yeah, it... It helps the perpetual 13-year-old of me just have fun. I didn't even do that to her. I know. I know know that's what's so sad. I was hoping there was at least going to be a finger-banging story. I was so into this girl, and it's like, God damn, you're rejecting Uh, me for sex? I mean, fuck. Oh, God. You know who this chick reminds me of? Reminds me of Screaming in Digital, because this bitch sucks. Oh. And so does Screaming in Digital to me. This sounds like... Uh, like like the Terminator, like every time I hear that song, I think the Terminator. Second worst song on the fucking album, in my opinion. Uh, it, it, it's it's a little notch above uh, fucking uh, the Chemical Youth because it doesn't do. That. But it, it's almost as fucking bad, and it reminds me of a girl that doesn't put out. I do not like screaming in digital. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I love the Terminator, so I love this song. This song is great. Oh, I, I love the Terminator too, but as a song, it sucks. No, this song is great. It's it's kind of at the time futuristic, where we kind of live in this now. You know, we live in like a digital age type thing. It, it is very. Uh, I don't know. You know what I really love about this song, which is something that I don't really love about. Songs for bands that aren't known for keyboards. I think the keyboards is what makes this song awesome. I love like that, you know, that. It's kind of like, I don't know, melancholy a bit, but still, you know, up upbeat. It's, it's a weird fucking song. 
I love it. I love this song. Uh, I, 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 I think it's a cool tune. I guess I'm kind of like that girl. I'm not just feeling you on this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no wonder you like London so much. Yeah, I just want to be. I just want to be friends. Yeah, but you see, the, the the thing is, the thing is, I love London and I masturbate. So what's the point? What's wrong here? It's not that you know. I love London and I still pleasure myself. So it shows you that you know maybe a girl that likes London would pleasure me too. I don't know. Uh, either way, man, I, I I love London and I love screaming in digital, and that brings us to the closing track, which is a beautiful song, which is my favorite of the mellow songs on this album. I will remember; it's beautiful. I love that they played this unplugged. I think they opened the unplugged show with this. It's beautiful. It's it it, it kind of makes me sad a little bit. Uh, I will remember the star that came tonight. It it reminds me. Uh, okay. We're a little fun-loving group, and I don't know. Maybe I should ask Ian's. Uh, if I bring up this story, this is going to really bring the show down. Should I bring it up? How the fuck do I know? I don't know what you're going to talk it's about. Very, it's a very sad story, and I don't want does, no sympathy, but... Does it involve a dog? No, no. Or a cat? No. Okay, then go ahead, because I hate people. <laughs> okay, well... I was going to get married. Um... A long time ago. Uh, oh, shit. Oh. In, in 1990. And uh, the person that my fiance was killed by a drunk driver. And, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it drove me insane to the point where I had to go to rehab. And uh, oh, I was, good Lord. see a psychologist. Oh, and, uh, and she loved this song. And this song, like, man, I, there's two songs I can't listen to. Okay, I'm going to... I don't, and you know, even now I'm getting a little like chilly that I don't like talking about this. I just brought this up because that's why the song makes me sad. All right, now I'm going to get off this subject and I don't even want to talk about the song anymore for obvious reasons. But I will bring up this. There's another song that I can't listen to and there's no fucking reason for it. There's a song that comes on that I have to... Look, it, it comes on at the supermarket. I have to leave the supermarket like with my, my with my cart full of groceries, I was at I was at a Denny's with a friend. The song came on. I had to walk out of Denny's. You know what song this is? And I can't. It, 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 Go it, ahead. No, I, I think I, I think I do because I had the same feeling. Is it "Kiss by a Rose" from Seal? No. <laughs> hey, fuck you! I love that song. It makes me sad. It reminds me of a love I lost. No, I love no. I love "Kiss from a Rose." No, fuck um, you. Uh, what is it? Daniel. By Elton John. Oh shit! Does okay. when that song starts, I have to leave this. I I can't. That's I, a sad song. That's a sad I can't. Song. I think maybe I was diddled as a kid. <laughs> something happened to oh, me. Oh damn! Something suppressed in me happened because when I hear that song, I freak out and like I can't. I I literally, and I'm not ashamed to say this. I literally cry when I hear that song, and I don't know why. And it makes me feel horrible to the point where I can't listen to it anymore. Whenever it comes on, I have to leave. Uh, like I told you, a supermarket happened at Denny's. If I'm in the car and it comes on, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, just that opening fucking do, 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 Well, however it starts, it's like, oh, I'll turn that off. So that and I will remember. I will remember I can listen to. I can like, but it does make me very depressed and sad. 
because it's a horrible, horrible experience that happened to me. But Daniel, on the other hand, I can't listen to it all. It must have been like a big dick. <laughs> something, oh, man. something horrible happened to oh, me man. back when that song was released because it's something obviously suppressed because I can't understand why that song depresses me so much. So that's oh. my, that's what, what do you think about uh, I Will Remember? No, uh, oh, it's just because I, I got a couple songs that depress me like that that I can't listen. Like, especially if I'm drunk, I'll just start crying. There's a Beach Boys song that is, and the funny thing is it, it's such a happy song. Kokomo. But it's, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a real Beach Boys song. But it, it, it's it's so happy and it's so positive that it makes me sad every time I hear it because it's so unrealistically happy that I get sad. <laughs> you know and what? I can't explain it either. I want uh, I, I to tell you another song that made me cry that you're going to freak out on. <laughs> I can't I can't believe we were talking about songs that make us cry. Fuck it, man. This is Mother's Day. Come on. Yeah, that's we're, right. We're yeah, mommy's it's, boys. It's all the estrogen in the air, yeah. man. That shows us our mom had a lot of influence. We cry like bitches. And this one's really going to shock you. <laughs> what the, This song made me cry. <laughs> For those about that's to right. rock ACDC. <laughs> What? <laughs> it made me cry, and I'll tell you which part. The part where the at toward the end where he goes, we salute, yo, then it like picks up. I got chills and started to cry because it was just so kick ass. Another thing that made me cry, fuck it, I'm gonna keep talking about crying. <laughs> Another thing that made me cry was the Freebird movie from Leonard Skinner when they're playing Freebird and the band goes into that long solo with Alan Collins going crazy. It just made me cry uncontrollably because like 80% of that band is dead and they were kicking ass, you know, on stage, like going fucking ape shit. And I'm just crying thinking we're going to die even if we're awesome. So there you go. There's, and oh, forget it. And movies, you know what movie made me cry? Nacho Bra... What is that one with... with Nacho uh, Libre? Nacho Libre made me cry. You know what part? I, Where the little fat kid shows up at the end? I never saw it. Oh, you gotta see that movie. You know you know what movie I cried in? I, I, I cried in two movies. I, <laughs> I was 12 years old, I think, and I went and saw Harry and the Hendersons by myself. Okay, I, I and, barely and, remember that. And when John... When John Lithgow starts beating on Bigfoot and telling him to go in the fucking woods, you know, because he was worried something was going to happen to him if he stayed there, I fucking start crying like a little bitch. Wow. <laughs> that and and, the, and uh, Forrest Gump when he asked if his kid's retarded, <laughs> that made me cry too. Uh, uh, Forrest Gump is a movie I can't watch because of the girl. That that girl that he was interested in, Jenny. Uh, that that depresses the hell out of me because there's. It's just because look, man, I'm 50 years old, and there's the amount of girls that I was in love with are like astonishing. That I don't know where any of them are now, and by watching that depresses. The, I can't watch Forrest Gump for that for that reason alone. Because thinking of people that are no longer in my life that I that were very special to me that are gone is very depressing. You know, what a depressing show. <laughs> <laughs> It was going so good. Rock and so Metal much. Combat. We cover, uh, yeah. we cover all areas. Yeah. This this episode, oh, we're combating uh, the tears. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I will remember. I love this song. I love this song. It's a great song. Stop, you're going to make me cry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Thomas Black now is crying. 
<laughs> Thomas Black is gonna put up like five videos of men crying. <laughs> every song we talked about crying or movie, he's gonna put every movie clip and every song title. I'm gonna go on Facebook and, and I'm, I'm just gonna start bawling like a little bitch. God damn it, Thomas! Thomas Black, we love you. Yeah, I love Thomas Black because he listens to our show and he'll he'll put up little things we talk about. And that's more of a reason you should join our Facebook page for Thomas oh, Black alone. Oh my god, yeah, that guy yeah. rules. And and I'm it, sure, I'm, it, it, if you just need a good cry, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he's crying now. He's probably gonna put up a picture of like Kleenex. <laughs> Oh, oh man, God! So yeah. All right. So there, there you go. All right. All Any right. closing things on uh, Rage for Order? Uh yeah. Hold on. I got a few little tidbits here. This was released June twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six. It was their second full length album. A lot of people call this their third album because they consider the EP the first. I'm kind of one of those, but it is actually their second studio album. Uh, man, and just what a, what a game changer uh, as far as style. I mean, this really stuck out like a sore thumb when it came out, uh, for better or for worse. But I, I like that they weren't afraid to take chances, even though some of the shit I don't think is always, uh, you know, that successful. But, uh, you know, they did tour with Ozzy. Uh, I believe they also opened up for Bon Jovi. Which I found odd that they opened for Bon Jovi when Bon Jovi wasn't that big when this came out. But I guess they were a little bit bigger no, than Queen's, right? Bon, wasn't Slippery When Wet 86? Yeah, but it really didn't hit till 87. And, and they must, were an opening... Then it must have been released in late 86 because that album took off right when it came out. Right. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but it, but it is... Uh, it's, it's an interesting album and I think it shows... Once again, you know, they're not afraid to take chances. And they have a lot of different albums throughout their career. And I respect that, even though I don't like everyone. Uh, you know, it, it is neat. Not everybody can put out the same album every time. Uh, but I love Queensryche. We're definitely going to do some more Queensryche reviews. A lot of people are like, oh, fuck, how can you do, you know, Queensryche and not do Operation Mindcrime right off the bat? But... You know, we plan on doing this show for a long fucking time. We can't do everybody's, like, top fucking album right off the bat. Because then what's going to happen? We're going to have two years of doing albums nobody's fucking heard. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Plus, we do like spotlighting albums that maybe don't have enough of a spotlight. So, I hope there's somebody who doesn't know this album that checks it out. Uh, me, me and Ralph have said this before. That is our favorite part of doing this show is, uh, you know, turning people on to new music. You know, just getting to check different shit out. That is the best thing. Well, the first best is if you use the Amazon link and I get a little bit of money. Second is turning people on to fucking new music. Um, but uh, I, I think it's it's a good album. I don't know if i call it a great album, but it's definitely a good album. I call it a great album. And, and, uh. and, and Thomas Black, please don't post Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I would argue with you, Ralph, but I don't want you to fucking cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's go on to something that I know you're not prepared for, and that's a pick of the week. Oh, that's right. Let me look around here. <laughs> All right. While you look for your pick of the week, I'm going to talk about mine. 
And mine is by a German thrash band called Sodom. And Sodom is known as one of the you know, the Titanic terrors. My the, favorite, the, the, my favorite of the German thrash bands. Well, I wow, we actually agree on that. They are my favorite. The, the big three of German uh, thrash metal is Sodom, Creator, and Destruction. And I do love all three of those bands, but Sodom is my favorite. But a lot of times people just talk about uh, Agent Orange. You know, it's all about Agent Orange, which is a great fucking album. Man, check it out. If you love thrash metal, great album. But I want to talk about a newer one that they put out in 2010 called In War and Pieces. Yes. And, and I was really impressed by this. Uh, it's, it's, it's classic thrash, but it's modern at the same time. Uh, it sounds like them, but without being derivative. And I really love that. There's an awesome uh, two-disc edition that you can get through our Amazon link uh, that has, I believe it's a 2007 concert from Bakken. I could be wrong. I know I know there's a concert, but it, it's, it's an awesome companion disc to it. But, I mean, if you just love good classic thrash, check out Sodom, and in particular, you know, take a chance on a newer album. Check out... In Worn Pieces by Sodom, my pick of the week. Well, yeah, great. Uh, but Guaranteed you know, I mean, not to make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my pick, well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my pick of the week now, but I got to say, I love that album, don't get me wrong, but man, when it comes to Sodom, my favorite is in The Sign of Evil, that EP thing. Right. Like, holy shit, that album is just, that's why they're my favorite band right there, that, that, that release alone. Anyway, my pick of the week is the second album released by the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Axis Bold as Love. My favorite Jimi Hendrix album. Whoa. Oh, you know what, dude? I have a hard time picking from... You know, a lot of people aren't aware that Jimi Hendrix only released three albums while he was alive. Well, with the experience. No, what what he do without the experience? Band of Gypsies came out. Oh, you're right. What was it? Or was it around yeah. the time he died? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Band of Gypsies came out while he was still alive. But that was a, that was not the Jimi Hendrix experience. That was a different band. But that was the live album you're talking about. Band yes. of Gypsies. Yeah, yes. With Machine Ama- Gun. Yes, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Very. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that album. But, um, and yeah, there's a lot of Jimi Hendrix albums that came out after he died that are great, too. Uh, but uh, Axis Bold is Love. I have a hard time picking which one's my favorite of the three he released because all of them are special to me. I, man, a- Axis though, Axis I I put right up there with Sergeant Pepper, dude. As far as it's like so groundbreaking out there. Yeah. and amazing, yeah, it's, uh, and, it's so an out incredible there. pick, Ralph. An incredible, and incredible album. Also, I'd like to add that you know, in this album too. I mean, it really shows that this guy was so underrated as far as a songwriter, a lyricist. He was a genius. Everybody thinks that Jimi Hendrix has this guitar god, which deservedly so he is. You know, he changed guitar. I don't think anybody did what he did back then. He was the first innovator guitar. Then, oh yeah. Oh, then yeah. you had uh, uh, what um, uh, Van Halen. You know, right. d- changed the game. But but he was the first. And another thing I like to bring up is like a lot of people like to say that. Um, Blue Cheer invented heavy metal, but man, listen to Axis Bold as Love. What did Blue Cheer do any different than Spanish Castle Magic? Oh, no, I, and I mean no disrespect to Blue Cheer. I love Blue Cheer, 
But with Blue Cheer, I think it was more like attitude and volume. I mean, they were just so goddamn loud. But, I mean, you know, you can play anything fucking loud. I mean, it, it's got to come down to innovation. Yeah, but Sad, and, Spanish Castle Magic, oh, man, that shit's loud too, man. Oh, yeah. That's it's, just as dirty and grimy as anything Blue Cheer did. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion. That I think, you know, people that, that point at Blue Cheer, you're overlooking Hendrix. Hendrix did it before them. So, but, you know, I mean, for me, for my money, it's Black Sabbath at Infinite Metal. But uh, back to Hendrix, this album, it's, it starts off so weird with that little interview thing. And then, you know, yeah, um, yeah but uh, Little Wing, man, that song is so... Oh, that, Castles the, Made of Sand. Castles Made of oh. Sand, if Six Was Nine. Oh. The, the, the title track, I mean, the, that, this whole album is an ex. Like an experience. We, we need to do an episode on Jimi Hendrix. I, I would like to do this album if we could. Oh, fuck yeah. Well, yeah. we can do anything. We're a rock and metal combat podcast. We can do anything. We can even stop in the middle and cry for a half hour. <laughs> people still listen to the rest of it. That's right. So anyway, that's my pick of the week. The great Jimi Hendrix with uh, uh, Axis Bold as Love. All right, so, uh, hey, we got a little time left. Want to play some jam? Oh, wait, no, no. Well, well, hold on. Hold Go on. Ahead. I got to do something here. We got to do fan of the week, you yeah. know. We, we, we love our fans. Uh, and this is one, I got to be quite honest. Uh, I don't know if I picked him already or not. And, and I really, I need to start making a list so I don't fucking double dip. I mean, there's plenty of people to choose from, but there's some people that really stand out. And this is a guy that really stands out, and that's Donnie Allen from Texas. Donnie Allen, man, always on, on our page. He's always on uh, uh, Bill Wayne's Kiss, Kiss, Kiss page. He's on Bill Wayne's secret page. I believe he's on Almost Human as well. Always posting some good fucking videos. Always quality, man. He's always got good pics. I was like, you know, God damn, there's another good one, Donnie. Thank you. And uh, every day, every day, I see something from this guy, man. And that's that's what it's all about. We're like a, we're a little loose-knit family. And uh, this is my cousin from Texas, Donnie Allen. So, Donnie Allen, you are the fan of the week, brother. We appreciate you. All right, Donnie. Thanks for everything, man. And uh, what All right. All right. As usual, man, I don't know how you're listening to this, but you know another way you can listen to it is on thatmetalstation.com. Yeah. Where you can hear us Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh Man, we're so proud to be part of this. Once again, we want to congratulate Mike uh, Tyler. He's got a show on there now. Uh, check that out at Fridays at 1 a.m. Eastern. Uh, but yeah, check us check us out on thatmetalstation.com or just listen to them, period. Please go on to iTunes. And man, our iTunes numbers have picked up like crazy, but we could use some more reviews and some ratings. So please, if you can take a little bit of time out and leave a review... It, it really helps the podcast grow uh, in a way people might not understand because we'd like to get some advertisers, and that's all they look at. In the world of podcasts, it all depends about how you make it on uh, iTunes, how many people subscribe to you, how many reviews you have. And we would like to make a buck at this, you know. But if not, you know, we're still going to do it every week. But, man, we would really appreciate it. You can go on Amazon. Go on our homepage, on the Podbean page. Use the Amazon link. doesn't cost you a dime. Buy some of this shit we're talking about. 
If you've never heard it, man, take a chance. <coughs> you know what CDs cost now? Fucking nothing. <coughs> Not you like like under ten bucks you can get most CDs now, especially the shit we talk about. Man, pick this shit up. Check it out, man. Like, Support the show. Love. Oh yeah, you could get like a ultimate remastered bonus track. Fucking sounds super duper. Access Bowl to Love for probably like $10. <clears throat> so do it, but use our link. It would mean the world. Uh, if you're on an Android device, go through Podcast Addict to check us out. Also, our YouTube page, which hopefully pretty soon will be off our suspension and there'll be new episodes. But if not, check out some of your favorite past episodes. It's the same show, but man, with, with a whole different visual aspect that really creates a whole new show. Check it out. <coughs> Excuse me, that damn cirrhosis is kicking in. Damn it. But, uh, hey, we got some time left. Let's get into some fucking music. I want to hear some tunes. Alright. I got one, and, and this is by a band I really need to get off my ass, because I met the guy, we're cool, he's a fan of the page, and, uh, and I, I just need to get on my ass and get him on the show. And that is Kirk Winstein from Crowbar. Oh, cool. And this is, yeah, and this is off 1999 Odds Fellow Wet Rest. This is Planets Collide.
love their first album because it's just so different than what they turn into because their first album no their first album was like heavy metal traditional metal then they turn into like a blues band that was just i just couldn't get into them at all and i'm sure you like them cinderella no but yeah but they fit that category too i love that first cinderella album after that they kind of lost me but even even them, I would I, I would think their their music was even a little better than how bad this band got after their well, first excited. album. This is a band called Great White. Oh, I love Great White. You know that first album? Yeah, the, the EP you're talking about, or the well, first one just the, as Great the White. The first album, but the EP too was metal. Uh, yeah. Uh, who produced their EP? Do you know? Uh, There's no. some trivia for Don Dokken. That. Nice. On Your Knees uh, EP. Well, that's a good one, too. But I love this one. Their debut album, Heavy Metal, Kick-Ass. This is Great White. And the first track off the album, Out in the Night.
Yes, that was Great White, believe it or not, as a heavy metal band, how they originally were and how they I wish they would have stayed. Without in the Night from the debut album released in 1984. They toured with Judas Priest on the Defenders of the Faith tour. And by the time they got down here, it was no longer Great White, but a band called Kickaxe. You remember them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Canadian metal. Yeah, I saw Kickaxe open the Defenders of the Faith tour, but I, I, I would have preferred to see Great White. I'm going to go back again to 1984 where that Great White was another traditional metal band that also changed. But I didn't really mind so much how they changed. They went more AOR, you know, keyboardy stuff. But their first album, again, traditional heavy metal. Not very well-known band, but if you heard this band, then you are indeed a heavy metal head. This band is called Icon. You know them? Yeah, I got their albums. Fucking love that first one, man. Their second one, Night of the Crime, was good, man. It was so it's, it's a different band though. But this one is um I love this song, man. Icon. This song is called Under the Gun. <laughs>
from their 1984 debut album. That was Icon with Under the Gun. Uh, Ian, what you got for us, man? Oh, man, I got one. This is back in the early 80s. This is off uh, this band's second album, simply titled MSG. This is the Michael Shanker group with On and On. Yeah.
Alright, that was MSG with On and On. That was a uh, great Michael Shanker. Boy, I love those early Michael Shanker albums, man. The Into the Arena. Man, that's some good stuff, dude. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to do some Christian metal. Oh, man. To hell with the devil. No, it's not going to be Striper. Uh, it's a band called Baron Cross. You ever heard of them? I've heard of them, but I haven't heard them. They This album's pretty damn heavy. This song's called Atomic Arena, and this song is nuts, man. It's like really 100 million miles an hour, but they are Christian. And uh, this song is called uh, Cultic Regimes. Cross with cultic regimes off their album Atomic Arena. If you like that, I highly, uh, I highly suggest you go check out that album, man. It's it's pretty damn good. Pretty much in the vein of that song you just heard there. Uh, traditional metal, my favorite form of metal. Can't complain. Even if they sing about Christ, the devil, sucking dick, I don't care. As long as it's heavy, I love this shit. What's next, Ian? Well, I'm gonna keep it heavy. 
uh, with one of my favorite bands, Sacred Reich. Oh, yeah. And off, and off of the American way, this is Who's to Blame. Oh, classic. Sacred Reich. <laughs> Sacred uh, Reich. Sorry, Who's I, was, I was having a brain fart. Uh, Sacred Reich, yeah, that's a great song, but I think the one that follows it, 41 Flavors, oh boy. 
<laughs> you like you like that song? Yeah. It may be the worst song ever done by a metal band. I I find it pompous and stupid. Musically, it's horrible. And then the message is kind of like, "Hey, man, like listen to this. Don't be just metal. Fuck you, Phil Rind. Don't tell me what to do. I mean, I listen to different shit, but I hate people telling me to. What are you, Castro?" <laughs> That's enough uh, for this week, my friends. Uh, as always, Ian's got the last word. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this very emotional fucking episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs> but cheer up, because next week, Hal Linden, TV's Barney Miller. He's still alive? He'll be here. Oh, yeah. He's going to be here. 
And we're going to talk about Rod Stewart's 1978 classic, Blondes Have More Fun. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And yes, I think you're sexy. Thank you.